Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Well, good morning. How are you guys? You're here. You made it to church. Welcome. We're glad that you're here today. Uh, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I hope it's not going to get too hot in here. Wednesday night, people were, I don't think anybody wrote anything down. They were just fanning themselves. And so, anyway, no judgment if you want to just take that insert and fan yourself. This building's like 40 years old, so uh, no AC, folks, unless you're in the family room and there's all kinds of AC. So, uh, anyway, that's the place to be. Um, welcome. We're glad that you're here. We're uh, in our second week of a series um, called The Force of Habit. We're talking about our habits, and, and I think summer is a great time for us to talk about how we spend our times. We, we kind of get out of our normal routine, and uh, we're doing a lot of stuff in the summertime, so I think it's a chance for us to reframe the way that we live life, the way that we uh, run our days, and to kind of consider, are we, are we having habits in our lives and things that are going to help us become the people we want to become? B- before we get going too much, I want to uh, welcome everyone who's viewing online. Can we welcome them today for being with us? So thanks you guys for being with us as well. Um, We're going to open up to chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians. So if you want to grab your Bibles, you can open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. So if you weren't here last week, last week we talked all about becoming a person that we're going to be proud of. And I asked this question, do you like the person that you're becoming? And because I think a lot of people are on a road to become people that we're not really going to like in a few years. And so it would, it would help us to look at the way that we live our lives and to consider, are we on the right path to become the people that we want to become? And I, and I closed out with, with this statement that when we're not enough, Jesus always is. And what we're going to realize is over and over and over again that we're really not enough. More than anything as the church, we are grounded in this understanding that grace is what drives us. Grace is what causes us to pursue change in our lives and have sustained long-term life change. And I don't know how you've done this week. Um, Last week we gave out rubber bands, and so I don't know if you still have this on your wrist, but this was a reminder for us uh, to to think about the one thing that we're going to start doing and the one thing that we're going to try to stop doing. And for some of you, you're like, I made it like 24 hours, and then I ate the cookie, right? I made it 24 hours, and I said the thing I wasn't going to say, or I did the thing that I wasn't going to do, and so then I failed. And, and so I want you to know this. Maybe you were like, I'm hoping to get into God's good graces. I'm hoping that, like, you know, maybe if I get my act together, uh, you know, maybe in some ways God will bless me. Here's the thing. You have all the grace you could ever ask for in Jesus. You have it already, amen? Amen. So like this is always like already a gift to you. You have as much grace as you could ever need or ever desire in Christ Jesus already. And so what we're doing here as we pursue some new habits is not trying to get our lives together to get grace. Our, our pursuit of new habits is a response to grace. And this is key in the foundation of the conversation that we're having here uh, today. I also mentioned this last week, 40% of our, our lifetime is spent uh, doing things out of habit. 40% of what we do is done simply without even thinking about it. And so the vision is this. What if 40% of our lives happened automatically in a way that would honor God? 
What if we were automatically honoring God with 40% of what we do in our lives? Because the reality is there's a lot going on behind the scenes in, in us. Like our minds are always doing a lot of different things. Um, I don't know if you have an iPhone, but when I first got my first iPhone, uh, it, it ran great for like six months, and all of a sudden it, run, it started running really slow. It wouldn't access the internet, and I was like, what's going on? So I found a friend of mine that uh, is really good with technology stuff, and I was like, hey, look at my phone. What's the problem here? And he's like, oh, here's the problem. You have 59 windows open. And I was like, what does that mean? It's a Mac. It's not Windows, right? And he's like, no, you have 59 windows behind here. So he pushed the button twice, and he's like, hey, look, you've got all of these other tabs. You've got every single application on your iPhone running right now. Probably why it's going a little slow. But this is kind of what our minds do. If you don't realize this, our minds kind of do something called chunking. And chunking is when we, we chunk certain actions and thoughts together so that we don't have to think about them anymore. And this is how routines and habits are created. And maybe you've used this terminology before. I'm stuck in a rut in my life. I've got this, like, it feels like I'm in a rut. But, but that, that term comes from literally how our minds work, that, you know, if you've ever driven through a mud hole in a pickup or something, the first time you go through, it makes a couple of little, um, little ruts, right, with the tires. The second time you go through, it gets a little deeper. And then the third or fourth time you go through, now all of a sudden, you're stuck in the middle of a mud hole, right, because you, you dig these deep ruts with your tires. And that's literally how our minds work, that, that when we do something once, maybe you're thinking, eh, this isn't a big deal. I just did it once, right? I, I'm just going to make this something that, you know, I do one time and move on, but then you do it again, and then you do it again. And before you know it, this is a habit in your life. And this is how the mind works. Literally, you will start to create habits, and then once something is a habit, it literally never goes away. It doesn't ever go away. Uh, it's kind of like when you fold a piece of paper. If you unfold the piece of paper, there's always the crease, isn't there? And, and in your mind, how our minds work is, is those creases always stay there. And so what we have in our lives are these things that set us off, these things that sort of uh, trigger us um, called cues. We have cues in our lives. And so what I want to talk to you about is kind of the cues in our lives. I'm going to draw a picture, um, and you can draw too. If you've got an insert, you can grab that and draw with me. And uh, don't judge my handwriting because... Every time I write up here, I'm like, okay, this probably says negative things about the leadership of ACF Church in some way or another because my handwriting is so terrible, but uh, yeah, just uh, overlook that, would you? But the first thing I want to write down is that we have cues. We have cues in our lives. Now, a cue or a trigger can be a lot of different things. It can be a person that when you see this person, you just get angry. You're like, I don't know why, but I just want to punch them in the face. I, I just, every time I see them, I just get angry when I see this guy. I, I don't know where it's coming from. It might be a place that you go to. You might sort of get triggered by a certain place or a certain location. It might be crowds. Some of you hate crowds, and being in a crowd triggers you. It can be a lot of different things that sort of trigger us or cue certain types of behaviors. It can be a smell. In fact, McDonald's, I was reading, um, they are brilliant at this. I mean, they, they have figured out how to cue you to make your mouth salivate. The whole point is, you know, everything when you go into a McDonald's, it's built to help you want more than you need. Because you know this, when you go in, you're trying to get like the small fry, but then when you get up to the counter, I mean, you want like the gallon size, monster, triple, you know, biggie, biggie, biggie size McDonald's fry because they've got the smell wafting through the place. And then you eat it and you feel terrible, right? You never feel good after you eat it, but when you're eating it, it's just, literally the French fry 
fries from McDonald's, they are, they are engineered to release the, the, the saliva in your mouth instantaneously so all that grease and taste and salt you know, goes in as quickly as possible. So you just want to keep eating these stupid french fries. But they are, they're, what they're using is, is the, the way that your mind works. You get cued and triggered. And so the next time you go in, you smell the same smell, you make the same order, you want to buy more. Next time you drive by, you, you do it again and again. But it can be a lot of different things. It can be simply, you know, seeing a hangnail. Any nail biters? Be honest, folks. Nail biters? A couple of you in the room? Yep. So you see a hangnail, and you're like, oh, I need that baby in my mouth, right? I don't know why, but I'm just going to eat that thing. It's just, it's, it seems terrible, but, what, but we do this. And so you start like, and so then you've got what's called the routine. The routine. And so you've got your cue, which leads to a certain type of behavior. And this has been sort of a, a trained behavior throughout your life. This is a rut in some ways that you're in. And, and again, I, I want to make sure we're saying this, that habits aren't always bad. And, and the whole goal of this series, the reason the first week we said, uh, what is one thing that you want to stop doing and one thing you want to start doing, is because our whole purpose and goal here is that we would retrain the way that we think and the way that we live our lives to honor God with every routine. Everything that we do, that, that 40% would be about honoring God. And so routines and habit loops can be good, but uh, mate, what's your routine? It's like I see the hangnail, chew on the hangnail, right? See cookie, eat cookie in my life. I see a chocolate chip, which thank you for those of you who gave me cookies this week from the illustration last week, by the way. That's awesome. I'm going to remember that every time I tell a story. Um, so anyway, uh, so routine, whatever that may be in your life, it may be saying uh, something to somebody that, that you shouldn't say. It may be flying off the handle in rage. Um, it may be eating something you shouldn't eat. Um, or it may be something good in your life. Hopefully it's something good. Um, but then after the routine is something that we call the reward. Cue, routine, reward. Now the reward is what keeps you coming back. It's the taste of the french fry in your mouth. It's the feeling of vindication. I just, I just laid into this coworker, and, and now like, I feel in some way empowered to do it again, right? Uh, it, it's it's the, the feeling of energy or excitement in acting or doing a, a certain thing that maybe you shouldn't be doing. But it, it's something that in your mind, every time you hit that reward, it's like digging the ruts deeper. And again, it doesn't go away. You will always have this certain propensity towards certain things. And then what's going to happen is what's called... A habit loop. Habit loop. And so we have these all throughout our lives, and these aren't necessarily bad things. It's good that we don't have to think about every single thing that we do all throughout the, the, the day. But it's important that we take all of our lives and we do sort of a self-audit of everything and go, is 40% of my life, is it healthy? Is it good for me and good for the people around me? Or am I operating in habit loops that aren't helping me become the person that I'm going to be proud of here in the next months and years? And so I want you to go from top to bottom and, and even as I'm talking, be thinking about what is that thing or what are those other things that I need to start doing or stop doing so that I can create new routines. And really, you guys, this is what the difference is between somebody who's a baby Christian and somebody who's a mature Christian. Now, we never stop growing, we never stop learning, but, but a, a baby Christian is somebody that, you know, is, is reading the Bible and, and, and is trying to take it uh, for what it's, what it's worth and, like, reading everything literally and trying to apply those things to their lives. But a, a mature Christian takes those things and even takes it to the next level and says, you know, what are the ways that the Bible doesn't even talk about that I can apply the gospel to my life? 
Like, what are the things that I haven't even necessarily read that I'm going to apply it in this way or that way? What, is, what, are the, what are the things, like, at work that I can do? That, sure, the Bible speaks to it in some way, but I'm going to apply this to every crack and every crevice of the way that I, I live my life. Because there are just certain situations and instances that, you know, the Bible might not speak to specifically. But the mature believer says, nope, I'm going to create loops and habits in my life that are going to honor God in every single way. And that's, that's an act of maturity. And so whatever that might look like in your life, um, where's the loop? Where's the habit? Now, there's, there's uh, some, some recovery programs that are out there that you may be heard of. Uh, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous. At, at ACF Church, we have something called CR or Celebrate Recovery every Friday night right here are people who are literally trying uh, and working hard uh, by the grace of God to, to retrain the habits in their lives. Uh, it's everything from people who are like struggling with eating certain things to uh, certain kinds of uh, anxiety and frustration with life, uh, maybe, maybe substance abuse, whatever it is that you're, you're dealing with right now. But the whole, the whole purpose is retraining our habit loops. And I was reading, there was a bunch of studies done about Alcoholics Anonymous and like why it's successful, why it works when other programs don't work. And there's one thing, there's one thing, listen, that, that this all comes down to that makes, uh, makes this work and function well. And it's, and it's the word called, it's the word belief. Belief. Belief is the key difference between AA or Celebrate Recovery, we would say belief in Jesus specifically, that's the key difference between those programs and any other kind of self-help program is belief. Now, here's why that matters. I mentioned earlier, you, you probably failed at some point this week. You failed to do the thing that you know you should do, or you failed to not do the thing that you're trying not to do. Now, when that happens, the, tense, the, the, the propensity in us is to say, well, why, why am I even trying to change? What's the point? And maybe you even had people in your life say, why would you try to keep changing? You're never going to get any traction. You're never going to actually change. And so that's really hard. But what we do as believers is, is, is we believe what Paul believes in 2 Corinthians 12 when he says, my grace is su sufficient for you. That God's grace is sufficient. And literally he says that God's grace is strengthened and shown through our weaknesses. And so as believers in Jesus, we come back to our faith and our belief as the, as the foundation for long-term sustainable life change. And so belief is the thing and is the key to actually experiencing change, actually getting through that low point where you go home and you fail and you just maybe hate yourself for doing it. Or maybe you go home and you're seeing no traction in this area and you're like, I'm just never going to change. The Christian says, no, God is, if God is for me, who can be against me, Right? If God is with me, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come through this and I'm going to work hard and, and his grace is going to be enough when I fail and we're going to actually get traction because I know God, he, he says that he's going to finish the work that he started within me. Like he's not going to leave me out to dry. He wants to complete the work that he's doing within me. So we're going to get traction in this area and that all comes from belief. That's why this isn't simply a, a self-help conversation. Now, I want to go to Paul's letter to, to, to Corinth, and I want to talk about what he says to them, because they are a society I think we can relate to. They're a society with a lot of bad habit loops, probably a lot of things that they should be doing that they're not doing. They're a, a busy, affluent, you know, technologically advanced, uh, sexually crazed culture, you know, nothing that we can really relate to, but, you know, it's like, I mean, it's Corinth, and so... I think we, we get this kind of thing. And so Paul is speaking to them, and I think he wants to speak to us through this. Let's go to uh, verse 1 of chapter 10. He starts off with this. He says, I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I, who am humble when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I am away. 
I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing it against someone who suspects us of walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Now listen, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So that's the chunk of passage I want to, uh, or chunk of scripture I want to talk about today because I think what Paul is talking about is a, is a different kind of deeper spiritual battle that we know exists. That literally like we talked a few weeks ago that there's a battle for your soul. That the enemy would have you slowly uh, be chunking your life away towards things that don't honor God. That if 40% of your life you're not even thinking about, and if that 40% of your life isn't honoring God, isn't loving others, then that is a win for him. But what we want is to honor God with all of that. And so Paul is speaking to them. He's like, hey, there's this deeper battle going on. He's funny as he talks about himself. He's kind of like, I'm gentle, but I'm also bold. Like, you guys have heard me kind of, you know, lean in lightly and say, you know, you guys ought to really kind of get things together. You know, uh, think about how you're living this part of your life or, or change in this way. But then he's like basically saying, don't make me get angry at you, right? Don't, don't make me put on my daddy voice and, and lean into you because I can and I will if I need to because I love you that much. I, I love you enough to, to tell you how it is and to be honest with you that it's time to retrain some of the way that you're living your life. Now, if you've got a pen, I want you to write this down. The first thing is this. I want you to be honest with yourself. I think this is the first place to begin. And last week, we talked about this. And we talked about how, you know, our lives are sort of out of control. That our lives, you know, sometimes get into these routines and these habits where we just can't even control it. And the first step to recovery is just admitting you've got a problem, right? I mean, we, sometimes we just all need to stand up and say, it's me. I'm the one that's out of control. I'm the one that, that, that doesn't have my life together. And admit that. But what the, the problem is we want to lie to ourselves and convince ourselves that things are, are better than they are, that they're not as bad as they seem to be. Paul says this in verse 5, we, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. We destroy the arguments. We destroy lofty opinions. The imagery is almost like, like something that's like on a, on a tower, these, these opinions and things coming in from the outside at us and these perspectives these perspectives that don't actually acknowledge God, the knowledge of God. Like, does this part of your life acknowledge that God exists and that he is king over all the world? Does that part of your life acknowledge that God is king over the world? And so he says we destroy those things. Now, as, as I was reading this, I was thinking about my time I spent in Jordan. We spent a little time there uh, visiting some friends, and when we were there, we were sitting at this coffee shop one day. One of the guys was talking about how, you know, they'll be sitting around uh, on a Friday night, and all of a sudden, they'll see this just explosion in the sky. And I was like, well, that's strange. What's that about? He's like, well, it's, uh, it's something called the Iron Dome. Do you guys know what the Iron Dome is? So it's, it's, it's their missile defense system. And I don't know a ton about it, but he, he, he said basically it's like this. A, a missile comes shooting at us, and we shoot a missile at it, and it blows up the missile in the sky. And so then it's just like, it's, for them, it's, it's Friday, right? They're just sipping coffee like, Cool explosion, right? There was a missile that was coming at me. Something else blew it up. That's awesome. And, and it, for me, when I was reading this passage, that's the imagery I had in my mind was that there's all of these opinions and all of these perspectives that are, that are coming in from the outside 
Some of them are, are, are actually coming from the inside, things that we have actually chosen to believe on our own. Maybe it's bad theology that you just haven't sought out the truth in. Maybe you've literally chosen intentional ignorance in a certain area of your life because you just don't want to deal with it. Maybe you're the kind of person that when you're struggling, you don't go back to church because you know at church you're going to hear some things that are true and you just don't want to hear it right now. And this is so common, you guys. I, I talk to friends all the time that, you know, I haven't seen them in a little while and so I'll call them up and be like, hey, are you doing okay? What's going on? And more often than not, more often than not, the, if they're honest, they say, yeah, um, there's some stuff going on in my life, uh, some things maybe that I've given myself to, some, some habits that I've chosen to continue in that I'm not super proud of. And so it didn't really make me want to go to church. You guys have been there, right? You're like, I don't really want to go to church today because I feel like a terrible human being. Which is sort of like, you know, I don't want to go to the hospital, I just got shot, right? I just got shot, I don't want to go, which this doesn't make any sense. If, if you're bleeding, where should you go? to the hospital, right? The, the church is that kind of place. This is that community that you can be around with other people who are like, bleeding too. Yep, we're all, we're all bleeding. We get it. So we're here to get help. We're here to, to honor God and to hear from him. And so, listen, all of these are arguments coming in from the outside. And I think it starts off with us being honest and being willing to look some of these habits in the eye, look some of these, these thought processes in the eye, and ask ourselves, is this what's going to help me to become the person that I'm going to be proud of? Is this actually helping? And to, to, to actually intentionally decide for that 40% of your life if this is what's right for you. So, so start taking an audit. Start being honest with yourself. And start, you know, this really even starts at the very beginning with you asking yourself, do I actually even believe this book? Do I even really believe this stuff? Am I, am I ready to truly surrender my life to Christ? Because many of you have prayed a prayer at some point to surrender your heart to Jesus. And that sounds great. But when you surrender your heart to Jesus, you surrender your life to Jesus. You surrender your habits to Jesus. You surrender that 40% and the 60% to Jesus. All of it is surrendered to Jesus. And so it might begin for you today to go like, what am I doing here? I'm a firm believer that Christians in church should to always ask themselves, like, why am I here, right? Because it's hot in here, and there's other stuff that you can be doing, and it's sunny outside, right? And you know, you guys, you have earned some sunshine with the winter that we had. And so why are you here? What's the purpose in this? And I know some of you might be like, that's a great question. I have no idea. And I'm okay with that because I feel like if you're going to be here and you're going to actually open the word of God and be ready to hear it, that it's going to transform you. But don't convince yourself that you want to hear it and then walk out the doors and nothing changes, you know? And nothing changes. Paul talks about it like a, like a man who looks at himself in the mirror and then forgets what he looks like. I say Paul, James. Anyway, so anyway, he talks about how it looks, it's a person that forgets who they are. So don't come in here and then leave and think, ah, you know, I, I'm, I'm a believer, I'm for Jesus, without actually pursuing change by his grace. I wrote this down because I feel like this is a challenging thought, that the Lord of your habits is probably the Lord of your heart. If you see what's the Lord of your habits, what's driving what you do, if you, if you just kind of take an audit of all of, you do, all of what you do and you realize this is the driving force in my life, whatever that is is probably Lord of your heart. And so if it's anything other than Jesus, 
then you need to relook at your faith and start from square one and say, am I surrendered to Christ? Am I ready to, to be all in and to receive his grace fully and completely? So it starts off, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion against the knowledge of God. We want everything in our life to reflect and, and acknowledge who God is. Then it says, and take every thought captive. Take every thought captive. So second thing I want you to write down is that you need to boss your thoughts around. Boss your thoughts around. That we get to, we get to choose what we think. Did you know that? Like, like you're not at the mercy of what you think. You're, what you think is at your mercy. You get to actually make a decision to, to, to think a certain way about everything you do in your life. And we need to boss those thoughts around and, and determine what we want to be and who we want to become. Like last week I said, determine the win. And when you determine the win, then you get to determine how you think about those things so that you can achieve the win. And when you think differently, it's going to change your life. The, the word in the Bible is this word repentance, that we should repent and believe the gospel. Jesus keeps saying that over and over again in his ministry. Repentance. Now, as I talk to Christians, a lot of times when they define repentance, here's how they define it. To turn around. Have you guys heard that before? Most people say repentance is to turn around. Now, that's, that's what I was taught growing up. But remember, as I studied the word repentance, the word repentance is the word metanoia. And, and metanoia meaning, uh, meta meaning change, noia meaning mind. Literally, repentance is to change your thinking. That it's, repentance isn't just like, I'm going to do better next time. How's that working out for you? I'm just going to stop being a jerk at work. How's that working for you? I'm just going to be so gracious with the kids. Is that working out great? It's literally to change the way that you think about something so that you can actually see sustainable life change. Hey, maybe you're here today and you're like, yeah, I want to be a more generous person. Well, to be more generous doesn't mean, well, today I'm just going to like reluctantly pull out my wallet during the offering, toss a couple bucks in, or when I'm downtown, I'm going to see a homeless guy, and okay, this is going to be my time, I'm going to give him a couple dollars, and now I'm going to be a, a generous person. No, you're actually, you're working this whole thing backwards. You need to rethink your money. You need to ask yourself the question, like, why do I have this? Where did it come from? What's the purpose in it? Who am I going to be proud of when I'm on my deathbed? Like, who do I want to become? And what did I do with the things that I had? What is money about? Like, it's paper. It's just paper. But what's the value in it? What can it do for people and for my family? How do I utilize it? And when you answer all of those questions and you bring them all underneath the, the authority of God in your life, all of a sudden, you're going to see life change. You're going to respond differently in situations. It's actually going to change your routine. So here's the thing, here's the difference in here. We've realized, and uh, I, I think as, as we've seen it in our own lives and as study has been done, that the cues are going to continue. You can't get that person that drives you crazy out of your life. You could, um, but it probably wouldn't fix the problem, would it? You guys have done that, right? You just avoid them, and then you see them in the grocery store, and you want to puke. I mean, you've been there. It doesn't go away. The, the cue's going to be there. You're going to smell, you know, the McDonald's when you're out sometime. Um, you're going to have some kind of negative, uh, negative response. You're going to come into a crowd of people and start getting, you know, getting all triggered up. And so the cue's going to be there. And then the reward is what's driving you to come back for it. So uh, clearly there's something that you want out of this whole thing. So the way to actually see change is, is to change this routine. Leave the cue, leave the reward, change the routine. So I talked about biting your fingernails. Um, they say that one of the best ways to, to actually stop biting your fingernails is not to just 
stop biting your fingernails, right? If you try to like tell your kids, just stop doing that. The best way to do it is when you see that thing and you're like, I want to eat it. I don't know why, but it's just gross and I want to like bite my fingernails is, is to grab a pen and just squeeze it with all your might and then let go. Because the thing that your, your mind is after, the reward that you're looking for is release. That, that feeling of, of, of a release of tension. And so it's kind of like parents who want to help their kids eat better because their kids are always eating junk food. Don't just say, well, no more junk food. What you do is you give them apples, right? You give them something healthy that's going to help them to be a healthy person. And so that's what we do as believers. We know that we can't just like take out the routine and then never go back to it. We need to actually replace the routine with something that's healthy. And then it's all, again, it's driven by your belief. So when you change your belief, what's going to happen is it's going to change your routine. When you change what you believe about something, and when, you've, when you believe that God is with you in this whole journey, in this whole process, and his grace is enough when you mess it up tonight, it's going to change the way that you live. So boss your thoughts around. Change your thinking, because when you change how you think, it's going to change how you feel, which is going to change how you act. When you change what you think, it's going to change how you feel, which is going to change how you act. And you guys know this, right? Because you've had the friend who you just texted and you didn't hear back from in like a week and you were just like frustrated or like, why didn't they get back to me? You saw like the dot, dot, dot come up. You're like, I know they got it. I know they did, right? And then later on you hear like, oh, like they went to the hospital to have their baby and didn't text me back. Or like, oh, something went, went down in their life. Or oh, their kid dropped their phone literally in the toilet and so it's been out of commission for a week. And then all of a sudden you felt differently, didn't you? You got facts and information to shape the way that you think about something so that you could feel differently so that you didn't have to be a jerk to them the next time you saw them, right? So the way that you think will determine how you feel, which will change how you act. So I'm going to get real in your business. Anybody struggle being hangry? Any hangry people in the room? All right, sweet. All kinds of hangry people. It's 11.35, so you're doing okay. I got like 25 minutes with you. But hangry people, let's just be honest. Uh, so that's a word that we throw around in our house all the time. I love the word hangry. It's just an excuse to be a jerk when you're hungry. It's, I get it. Like, it's fine. But so like the word hangry, it comes from, well, when I'm hungry, I turn into somebody that people don't really want to be around until I get food. And sometimes if I'm hangry enough, I get food quicker. Right? You've been there? It's like your husband was going 40. Now he's doing 60 because I am hangry. Right? But what if you retrained yourself to have a different routine when you got hungry? What if when you got hungry, you just said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to think about how I ate literally three hours ago. I had, food, I had all the food I wanted to eat. For most of you, some of you may be struggling with, with money or with food, but for the most of us, we have all the food we want like three times a day. So literally three hours ago, I had all the food I could have ever wanted. And so you're just going to get all thankful, Right? You're going to get super, like, super, like, hankful. You're going to get hankful when, when you're hungry, and it's just going to, it's going to overflow. And so people are going to be like, man, I just want to be around Brian when he's hungry because he's just so thankful for everything he has in his life, thankful for the food in his belly that he's not actually starving. You know, he just need a, needs a Snickers, right? He just needs a little snack or something. So I, I just, I want to be, want to be hankful in my life. So you can actually retrain these things, and then you should actually probably try to get some food. 
when you do that. Don't forget to actually eat. And, and it's going to, I know it's not just this easy, folks. I know it's like it, it, there's more to this, but you can actually start training yourself to have a different response based on the way that you think about your life. So think about it. Boss your thoughts around. He says, take every thought captive. Take every thought captive. This word captive made me think of like corralling a bunch of wild horses. It's like your brain is going all different directions. You've got this over here. You're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm at church and, you know, I think this way and I want to be um, gracious to people and I want to act this way or, you know, maybe I'm around this crowd and I act this way and, and then I'm around this crowd and, you know, I hope nobody sees me and how I act around these people. And so you've got these wild horses, these thoughts going different directions. And it's like to take them all captive underneath, as I said earlier, the authority and the grace of Jesus and to say, how can I actually inject the gospel into all of this? It's like corralling them in so that your whole life is cohesive and you know that's what you need. You know that feeling where you're like, ah, oh, I am such a hypocrite. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes that feeling that you say you believe this, but you've got these thoughts and these actions and these, this way of living that doesn't actually align with what you say you're about. And so it's actually the journey of taking every thought captive to obey Christ is the last part. So write this, for, this last thing down. Be in a narrative worth writing about. Be in a narrative worth writing about. As we read this book, there's all kinds of people that we kind of wish we were like. Like as I read the Bible, I, I, I see men and women in there that I'm like, I could learn a lot from that person. I just, I wish I was more like that person. And, and as, as you read the Bible and you, you see those people, what you realize is that those people in and of themselves are nothing that special. I mean, they're valuable as, as God's children, but, but what they did isn't that special. I mean, literally, they just obeyed God. They just said, God, God spoke to them and they said, okay, if God says it, I'm going to do it. And the people that are, are, the, are, the, are the patriarchs of our faith are people that we would say, they simply heard God and did what he said. And so what Paul's encouraging us to do is to take all of our thoughts and, and corral them in together and then, and then listen to God in all of those areas and just simply ask God, what would you have me do with this thought? What would you have me do with this area of my life? And bring them all underneath God's authority. That's how you end up in a narrative worth writing about. Because if you were in this book, what kind of chapter would it be? What kind of chapter would it be? And, and I just, as I read this, there's, there are kind of two categories in the Bible. As we read in all, all of the kings and we read about those who led God's people, we read that there were those who honored God and did as he said, and there were those who rejected God. And both of them are in the Bible. I wonder, like, would you like the chapter that you were in? So you might think, what does it mean to be in a narrative worth writing about? It doesn't mean you need to go like translate the Bible into another language. It doesn't mean that you necessarily need to go overseas and you know, be a missionary somewhere. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to be a, a preacher or something like that. It, it simply means that, that you would be obedient to God. And you guys know this, that it's those little moments of be obedience that, that lead to major breakthrough in your life. You know it, anything good that you've done, anything of value in your life that you've done, you've done it over time in little steps, in little moments. And so if you guys don't remember anything else from today, remember this, that the magnitude of your life will be measured in moments. 
who you are, how people remember you, the person that you are and that you, the person that you think about you've been on your deathbed as you're like, man, what kind of life did I live? Who was I? Will not be measured in like, remember that one time that I listened to God? Remember that, that one day that I did that great thing? Remember that one mission trip I went on? Or, you know, remember how I, I changed this or did that? It's gonna be measured in a lifetime of moments, a lifetime of obedience. And that's how you will become somebody who's in a narrative worth writing about. Just little moments of obedience, little moments of trusting God. And so what, where is this in your life? Just take a second. What's, what is it in your life that God is speaking to you on? Would you just close your eyes and just bow your heads and let's just, let's just ask God, God, how, how would you have me absorb the grace of Jesus into a new area of, life, of my life, God? What, what is it in that 40%, God, that isn't honoring you? What is it in the 60% that's right in my eyes where I've been lying to myself, convincing myself that this doesn't matter or that I can put off that area of my life? Father, I, I ask that you'd bring conviction to my heart. And honestly, God, I'm scared of what that could mean. But I know, God, with, the, with all of my being, that, that your way always leads to quenching my thirst. God, that by honoring you in every area of my life, God, that's what will fill me up. So God, could you, could you bring conviction on every soul in this room? I got a, a sense that we're no longer satisfied with anything less than your best. And God, I, I pray that um, we wouldn't try to do anything on the, on the strength of our own ability. God, on our own backs, we know that we're not strong enough. We know that we need your grace and your, God, for you to be the driving force behind us. So God, would you help us to believe? I wanna pray for the person in the room today, God, that is realizing really they just don't believe. That's the core issue. Uh, right at the a center of, of all this is, is that they have not completely believed that, that God, that you are real and that you are good and belief to the point that they have trusted in you, saying, God, all of me is yours. I'm not gonna hold anything back, God. I know that you won't, God, you won't take leftovers. You want all of me. So God, could we as a, as a community here today surrender ourselves to you? Could we have a greater vision for what life can be like when, God, when a whole community of people corrals their thoughts in and, and brings everything we do under the authority of God? And God, we're just, we're gonna mess it up, we know. And so could we know that your grace is sufficient? When we leave here today, God, we say the thing we didn't wanna say. We do the thing that we didn't wanna do or we neglect the thing that we should have done. God, could we lay down a bed at night? And God, could we know your grace in new and deeper ways? And when we do, God, could it only motivate us more to lean into you and to love you better with our lives? So God, I pray as we worship here in just a minute, God, that we could let it all go. Uh, that we could release some of the grip that we've had on these areas of our life, God, the part of us that we've just been trying to, to do it on our own. Can we just trust that you're with us? Can we just trust that you're enough for us? And God, could there just be some letting go that happens in this room as we sing? I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, love you guys, thanks.